Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Unfortunately, this week, our fearless leader, Josh Bales from The Well, is not with us. He is on vacation for a little while, so you won't be hearing his voice. This is Russ Herman from Cloverdale United Reformed Church. We do, however, have wonderful people in the studio this this morning, and that is Jonathan Van Hugen from Dayspring United Reformed Church. Jonathan, how are you doing today? It's good to be here. I'll be on vacation next week, so yeah, this, yeah, is so. That, this is the summer season of that. And then thankfully, two guest hosts that were willing to come in and join us, Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Re- Reformed Presbyterian Church. Ryan, yep. good to have you back with us. Thanks for having me again. And then also Vinny Henke, is that, am I saying yep, it right? you got it, nailed it. From Valley Shepherd. Valley Life Community Church. Valley Life Community Church. I, yeah, we do some shepherding there, it's fine. Yeah. 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 I have Valley Shepherd in my head because that is where our annual conference is always held, and so I often just yeah. have that in my back of my head because I say that word or name of that church all the time. We have been talking about covenant theology Maybe a new topic for many of our listeners. Um, we spent the last several shows on this topic. We're going to spend the next while on it as well. I'm going to read a quote of a new book that I just got, Theology for Ministry, um, and each of the chapters deals with a different topic. And this one was on the covenant. So since the last time we recorded, I got another book. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. So I thought, well, you know what? I'd like to see what this chapter has to say on this. So I'm going to start with a, a little bit lengthy quote, and I just want these guys to respond to it. The author writes, A basic understanding of the covenant theme is essential to appreciating the redemptive, historical, Christocentric purpose of Scripture. The point here is not simply to note the frequency which the Bible uses the term covenant, but to recognize the pervasive thoroughness with which the concept of the covenant is found, even when the lexical stock may be absent. The covenant of grace is the very transcript of God's relationship with man. The Bible is a covenant book, and God's purpose for his creation is covenantal. Indeed, God is a covenant God. Now, as you guys hear that kind of lengthy quote, is the author overstating his case that the Bible is a covenant book and God's purpose for his covenant creation is covenantal. Indeed, God is a covenant God. I think we said last week um, uh, you know, when we introduced that subject, you know, I, I, I remember the quote by J.I. Packer, the gospel of God is not properly understood till it's viewed within a covenantal frame. The word of God is not properly understood till it's viewed within a covenantal frame. And the reality of God is not properly understood until it's viewed within a covenantal frame. So uh, this, is a, this is the understanding that God is a God of covenant. And the idea of covenant is that the message of salvation that God offers to us uh, through this whole story, it's the theme that is interwoven th- and links all the different books of the Bible. So, you know, I don't think it's overstated. In fact, there's nuances there that uh, will get, be given toward exploration. Yeah. It reminded me, um, I grew up in a poor town in Southern California, and we had a high school drama department. And so whatever drama the high school class was putting on that year, we used the same background set. 
So the characters changed, the actors, the lines, the costumes changed, but it was the same background throughout the whole, all my high school years. So Covenant is like that throughout the scriptures as the characters change and the circumstances change and the stories weave their way through redemptive history, the the covenant grace of God is always in the background of of everything we read. And so Mm -hmm. to answer your question, no, I don't think the author overstates the understanding of covenant being vital to our faith and vital to understanding the grace of God. And just to add to that, I mean, the very first thing that God does after he makes man is he enters into covenant with him. I mean, it's a covenant of works, but still that aspect of God is a covenant making and keeping God. And that's throughout all scripture. And I, I hope this is not misrepresenting the, the storyline of scripture, but I would even say that the final act of the Bible is covenantal. That really it's the 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 bookend to what how the book begins, that God enters into covenant with man. And promises rewards for for obedience, and the book ends with the fulfillment of all of those rewards that we now possess. Not because we earned them because of our obedience, but because instead Jesus Christ earned them on our behalf, and they've been credited to us. So I mm-hmm. would actually say that the book kind of begins and ends. Well, essentially, with there's covenant. not a, a chapter of the Bible that isn't. Um, you know, influenced by the covenant and sharing an understanding of our covenant God of who he is and, and who we are. I mean, the, you know, the very promise of God, I will be your God, you will be my people is really the theme that ends Revelation 22. So, um, you know, where we're, we enter into the joy of the Lord. Yep. So we left off yesterday t- with discussing this framework that we have been borrowing from Kevin DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung says that covenant theology is easy as one, two, three, or rather three, one, two. And what he means by that is there are essentially three covenants. There is only one covenant of grace, and there are two ways of existing in that one covenant. We've already talked about the three covenants, covenant of works, covenant of grace, covenant of redemption. Do you guys want to just quickly summarize, give a quick summation of each of those before we go to the next step? Yeah, the covenant of works, uh, like Ryan mentioned, opens up the scriptures in Genesis 1 and 2. It's between God as the covenant giver and then Adam as the covenant receiver. And then Adam receives a promise of paradise uh, through the condition of obedience. And the blessing would have been eternal life in the garden within the presence of God. And then that covenant carries with it a conditional work. If he was disobedient, he would inherit the covenant curse of death, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. and physical. And so that's the mm-hmm. establishment right there in Genesis 1 and 2, we, uh, Genesis 2, 16 and 17 specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Some people will refer to that as the covenant of life or the covenant of creation, but um, it's, you know, we understand that this is truly a covenant of works that demanded perfect obedience. This is why, in one sense, we still live under that covenant of works, but the perfect obedience that will be given will be that of Jesus Christ, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of Adam's fall in the garden, we've inherited that covenant curse, and and the only way that it's going to be dealt with is through Jesus Christ. Let's jump to the covenant of redemption, because we're mm-hmm. going to come back to there's only one covenant of grace. So let's get the covenant of redemption next. What's that? It's a covenant made among the uh, members of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, 
Jesus said that he came to do not his own will, but the will of his Father. Um, we have in Psalm 2 uh, the promise of the Father to the Son of an inheritance of nations. Um, there's the idea that the Father wills, he chooses, the Son has accomplished, and the Holy Spirit, his role is to apply the, the, the salvation that the Son has accomplished to his people. And we don't have a specific, I mean, it, but it, it, it comes out in pages of Scripture that, so we call it the covenant of redemption or inter-Trinitarian covenant. Yeah, we even see it in, in places like the beginning of Ephesians where we're told that he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Mm -hmm. There was a covenant that was involved in, the, in, in choosing us for salvation before we, were, before we ever created, before even humanity was created. And I, I actually think that if you follow the Gospel of John, you see it yep. yeah. throughout the Gospel of John. Um, yep. Played out in different terminology, it never comes out and says, we're talking about the covenant of redemption. Um, but I think you find over and over again, that's what's behind the teaching of, of Jesus with regard to his mission to come and to seek the sheep that were given to him by the Father. Well, you pointed out when we began the, uh, in that reading that you know, even though we don't see these things linguistically, even though the word covenant is not there, and we do know that the covenant, that word is used some 300 plus times in the, in the Old and New Testament. Um, but even if we don't see the word there, we understand all that. And so mm -hmm. when you, you refer to the Gospel of John bringing forth this understanding of the covenant of redemption from the beginning of time, uh, that's, that's included there. You might not hear the word, but you see it. Yeah, I was in my head. I was trying to think if even the word covenant is ever used in the Gospel of John, and I, off the top of my head, I would say no. Um, but don't don't quote me on well, that. But, I, but the concept is there. It, it, it's the way it's it. You know, ultimately, it's how God relates to Himself, but also how God relates to us. I mean, you know, there is there's a the the intertrinitarian covenant. You know, where as Ryan was pointing out, you know. Um, you know, God elects the 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 Son um, dies on our behalf, and the Holy Spirit applies that to us. And uh, this is something that uh, this is an agreement you might say within the Godhead. And then when we talk about um, the covenant and how it relates to us, you know, God enters into a covenant with us. He's the and that's called the covenant of. Grace, okay. yep. and so what is that? Keep going, Jonathan. <laughs> no, I'll You're let somebody roll. take it. <laughs> somebody else can take it from there. Well, I mean, one way to look at it, I think you mentioned this, Russ, in a um, previous episode, and uh, how you know God entered into a covenant of works with mankind, with Adam as a representative in the garden, and that was broken. Uh, but we're still held to that standard, and Christ came to do that which we couldn't do. And when we talk about the covenant of grace, in essence, how they're related to one another is that God is taking Christ's fulfillment of that perfect obedience that's required in the covenant of works, and he's applying it to us by faith. And uh, so it's, uh, uh, that's how the two are related to each other. And basically, the covenant of grace is the gospel. Um, we are incapable of doing that which God requires of us. And yet he, in his love and his grace and his mercy, desires to restore humanity to himself and has chosen his people. And in his grace, he, he's accomplished our salvation. He's accomplished the requirements and 
he gives it to us and then we're promised that he'll reward us for it. Um, and so that's uh, something too, that the, the comfort of all this is in God being a covenant keeping God is that, you know, God keeps his word and uh, we can, we can trust in that. And, and I think we just should maybe just say something that maybe is obvious, but hopefully it just clarifies if there's confusion in somebody's mind the covenant of redemption drives everything that follows after it. Right. And so it was the heart of God to choose a people for himself. Why does he do it? Because he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make a choice based upon the work of Christ. The work of Christ is based upon the choice of the Father to set his affection on a people and to call them and elect them and to choose them from all eternity past. And so the covenant of grace is really just a working out of the covenant of redemption in time and place. It's time and space. Jesus Christ becomes a man mm-hmm. because he wants to secure the salvation of those chosen by the Father from all eternity. Yeah, I think of John six thirty seven. all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Yep. And so I just want to clear up, clear up if there's confusion on Jesus made, Jesus' work makes the Father love us. No. No. The Father loves us, therefore Christ has come so that yep. that relationship between sinful humanity and a holy God can be made away so that God can have a people for all eternity. Well, we will talk about actually what we were supposed to talk about today, tomorrow. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life, and we'll see you tomorrow.